The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Dom. And Jack Barazzini. Hi, Jack. Hey, Dom. So, uh, folks, it's Advent. Uh, Welcome to Advent, and uh, have a blessed Advent as you prepare for Christmas, the coming of our Lord. Uh, which we celebrate in these parts uh, by giving each other gifts in in commemoration of the gifts gifts of the Magi, I guess is that why we give gifts or gifts just to celebrate, which is a, I think a, a great thing. And since this is a tech podcast, we are having an, over these weeks of Advent, we're having a little fun choosing tech gifts for the gadget folks in your life, the the people that you might know or that you might like yourself that you could hint to somebody that uh, might be fun tech gadgets. And uh, so we had our first round of tech gadgets uh, before Thanksgiving. We, we, we missed you guys over Thanksgiving, but uh, we, we had some uh, picks uh, last time. And so we're going to have another round of Christmas gift ideas. Um, and if there's not enough time for Christmas, you, you can do what my wife and I do in our family, which is uh, Santa comes on Christmas with stockings and, you know, one thing. and But the family gifts are on the Feast of the Epiphany because that's when Jesus got, got his gifts. So mm-hmm. And you can hit all the sales after Christmas. So There you uh, go. But that's not the primary reason, of course. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's jump right into it. And uh, let's go through. We're going to go a couple rounds of Christmas gift ideas for the, uh, the, the gadget uh, fiend, the tech hound in your life. And Joanne, I'm going to give you the uh, the first pick. Okay, thanks. Well, I'm going with the this this is for the super nerd in your life <laughs> who wants to always have the first greatest thing ever. The only caveat I have is you don't actually get it till February. <laughs> but this is a good present to this is a good present to put under the tree in like you know you 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 create another present like a uh, nesting Russian doll or something, and you, in the middle you say, "Here is your IOU for a Hyperjuice 100 watt USB charger." Now that might not sound too exciting to a lot of people, but let me explain. It will charge four devices at one time, two through USB-C and the other two through USB-A. And it's about as small as a credit card, as thick as a pack of playing cards. And I'll tell you, I have um, Apple's supercharger, and it cuts down the time that you charge an iPad or an iPhone by half at least. You're not sitting there all day. Mm-hmm. I like the hyper folks because they're the ones who make the bridge keyboards. They make a quality product. Right now, it's on a site called Kickstarter. 
And Kickstarter is a place where people bring out ideas and if they sell, they actually produce them. Well, they're, they're actually going to produce this because their pledge goal was, uh, you know, $100,000 and you have to reach that in order to produce the product. They're at $1.8 million right now. So a lot of people are buying this. The only one you're going to be able to get at this point is, um, I think it's, there's one for $59 or $69. It started at $49. So they have one left at 59 if you get in real fast, um, or you can get them for $69. $69. I think it's a solid product, especially for the traveler geek, you know, the one that has to go places and bring every single charger possible. This right. will eliminate that because you can do not only the iPhones, the iPads, the watch. You can do your MacBooks and your MacBook Pros. If the they're USB C. Yeah, the ones that charge the USB C. Yeah. Yeah. All at the same time. And as one who's carried all that paraphernalia with me every place I go, this this is a handy little gadget. Especially if you travel as a family anytime. If you have two computers, like my wife and I sometimes travel with, with two computers. Uh, having one charger that you can plug both into at once is a pretty good deal. Well, one thing to point out is a Kickstarter is um it's it's not they don't guarantee that you'll get the product, that it will actually ship. And I've had Kickstarters that have gone bad. But Hyper has a good track record, as, mm-hmm. as you say, and they have some of the biggest Kickstarters ever, and they'll they'll produce it. This is just a marketing way of of selling it. And the other thing is, oh, is yeah. it's going to retail for a hundred bucks. So even if right. you spend the you know, buy the sixty nine dollar one, it's still thirty percent off. And like they say, they are estimating delivery in February, so not too bad. So you get creative now with, with you know, the <laughs> IOU. And that right. could be a lot of fun. You know, exactly. but I think I think for the super geek in, in your life, that's going to be a, a treasured little item. That's a great idea. It's a good one. I like that. So, Jack, what's, what is your uh, first Christmas gift idea? All right. I tried to stay uh, below $50 this time. I think last time both my recommendations were over 100 Okay. Um, first thing I'm going to recommend is uh, the Logitech M705 Marathon Wireless Mouse. I think it's about $25 on Amazon, and it's just a good, solid mouse. I've had two now. Um, I ended up buying more than one for different computers, um, but I've never had one go bad. Uh, the battery lasts a long time. It says here three years. I don't know if I've had it last that long, but it's been at least over a year, if not closer to two. Um, and they're sol- it's a good solid mouse. It's a good stocking stuffer. That's a great, that's a good one. Yeah, like, I'll, I can't Im- tell you how often I've, like, stuck with a bad mouse that was going bad. It wasn't tracking well. And it's like, just get a new mouse. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, so that's a great idea is to give someone, just give someone a new mouse that's brand new. Um, the nice thing about uh, the Logitech mice is that they have the unifying receiver. So if you have a Logitech... Yeah. A keyboard or any other Logitech uh, peripheral, you can connect it with just one USB dongle rather than having one for each different device. Right. That's really seamless to connect. That's a good idea. Yeah, that is good. And they have good software. I've got a, I've got a yeah. Logitech mouse here myself that, that it's a, uh, it's the gaming one. Uh, it's got a billion buttons on it, but it, yeah, it's got a, yeah. it's got good software to, to manage it. Um, actually, if I can piggyback on that, um, if you know someone who has like an iPad Pro, uh, a Bluetooth mouse is not a bad idea since you can now do Bluetooth uh, peripherals with them. So if you, if oh, nice. there's a little something extra on that one, that might be a good idea. Uh, good. That is good. Uh, so my first pick is uh, for the kids. 
in your life. Now, last time uh, it was Thomas who was recommending this electronics discovery kit. And it was a bit, a little more advanced. It was re more real electronics involved. This is a bit more basic. And in fact, we mentioned it uh, at the time. It's called Snap Circuits. And mm -hmm. what it is, is it teaches the principles of electronics and, elect and electricity and current without having to, you know, run wires and, and do an actual breadboard. Uh, these are these little, it's hard to describe them, but you, I'll take a look at the link. It's this big um, activity surface and you just snap these things in that are, that are they kind of look actually like the drawing of a circuit diagram, but made in real life. And then my son, we got one for him and he just went through the project booklet like crazy, building everything possible and just the delight in putting everything together, flipping the switch and watching a light turn on or a fan turn or a motor run. It's, it's a, it's a lot of fun and they say five and up. So, the, and that's that, I think that actually is a pretty good uh, way to start. Uh, so it's snap circuits. There's a beginner's kit. And I guess that I'm just going to look here, see if I can find, I didn't see the price on it, but um, yeah, they start pretty, it's like, yeah, $26 for the very basic beginner kit. Uh, but you can get a really good one for, you know, for under 50 bucks. So, uh, so I would check that out. Snap circuits. Uh, get it's a really new, cool. You also, yeah, go ahead. You also can't accidentally uh, electrocute yourself with it, which is good. Yes, that is very good. That is very <laughs> That's good. That's a plus. That is a plus. Um, yeah, and you know, you get another uh, a budding tech geek in the house. That's what that's for. That's mm -hmm. for you. All right, that's a good first round. Joanne, what's your second Christmas gift idea? Well, like Jack, I tried to stay under a hundred dollars only because I could go crazy otherwise. <laughs> but um, we, I had picked up an Echo Spot for my husband for uh, his birthday this this past year. And I always thought it was just a tad too small. <laughs> well, they've come out with the Echo Show. Now, the Echo Shows before have been in seven inches. Now they've got a five-inch version, which I think is just the right size for an alarm clock. Mm. But, it's, but it's five inches wider. So it's almost like, I would think it's almost like a phone. Like, so a, the, like a large iPhone. Yeah. So screen. the spot is, a, is like a round ball, right? Right. Okay. That looks like the Magic 8 ball. Okay. And it has right. the Amazon lady in it. Mm hmm And okay. yep, yep, she's there. And the Echo Show also has the Amazon lady in it too. But the show is a little bit different because it actually has a sliding camera oh. stopper. A physical shutter. Okay. Yeah, it has actual physical shutter rather than the touch, you know, turning it off inside of the inside of the device. Mm. But I, th I know there are people who like that type of thing. But right now, Amazon is bundling a lot of things. So they're bundling this one with a wise camera with a little indoor smart smart home camera. It's, it's, it's like a cube. And I'm thinking it for the person who wants to have like a, a, a little sort of indiscreet one for your dog or cat, for your kid, something that you could watch from a, a distance. So I know I have, a, I have a dog right now who's not feeling well. And boy, could I use this to be able to watch her from, from far away. I think it, it's bundled at $59.99. Mm. The the Echo Show itself has been down to forty nine ninety nine, and I think they're going to keep it that way. I think it's regular seventy nine. So if you can get it on the deals now, they're 
you know, this is a good bundle. You might find another, they're bundling it also with like ring video doorbells and stuff like that. But I think this is a good one. If you, if you want to have that one camera that you need every once in a while, because I'm not one of those people that likes cameras inside the house, outside the house, fine, but inside the house. But, but for a case like this, where I have a dog that's ill and I want to monitor her, or if you have even a, even an elderly person, if you're going away and you just want to keep a monitor, you know, keep an eye on them. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit more indiscreet rather yeah. than, you know, giving them a big, giving them an, uh, a show and saying, use this. Right. They won't know how to mm-hmm. use it. <laughs> right. So, That's a good so idea. I think it's a good bundle. Yeah. I was actually looking at the show myself. I have a ring video doorbell and I was thinking uh, how whenever it rings, I have to you know bring up the phone, open the app. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a show, you can actually have it just pop up and sh- and you can see right away who's at mm-hmm. the door without having to, you know, pull out your phone and all that. And that would be, I've been thinking about that, but uh, so yeah, one of those bundles would be kind of cool. I like the wise cameras because they're, they're these wireless, in, you know, smart cameras, like you mentioned in HD. And some of them are motorized that you can actually control them remotely to turn and look around. Oh. Uh, this one that comes in the bundle is not, but they're no. so inexpensive and that, that's the, they're really Busting the they used to be used to be expensive this this kind of camera but the, these wise cameras are so inexpensive so that is a that is a good pick good bundle and it could be you know, like you like you said could be good for a lot of different people a lot of different reasons uh, so that's yeah good. it seems like a it seems like Amazon's really pushing the home automation thing especially with all these bundles around Christmas like yeah you can get a Alexa and a Ring and whatever like they're really pushing that. Yeah. yeah, they're doing they're doing the smart plugs as well. So if mm-hmm. you want to start automating your house, you can get like smart plugs from them as well. Right. I, I think they're they're really on the forefront of this, and I think they want to make sure they corner the market before anybody else. <laughs> well, Apple, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Al, uh, Amazon Aloysius uh, it tends to do better when I tell her to uh, to turn on the lights than my. Uh, 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 lady in the phone. <laughs> like we got to figure Just out like euphemisms Voldemort. here. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the lady in the phone. Uh, there you right. go. So, Jack, what is your second pick? Uh, my second pick is the uh, Amazon Basics portable wireless Bluetooth speaker, and it's, it's what it says. It's a basic Bluetooth speaker. I've had one for a couple of years now, and it sounds good. It's twenty uh, twenty ninety eight on Amazon right now. It's another good, another good, uh, cheap stocking stuffer. Um, it's good quality. It's waterproof. Uh, we have a couple around the house. I mean, a, you know, not much to say other than that. It's just a, a good basic Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Actually, I could see that as a great idea for like a teen even, or, uh, yeah. uh, or, you know, a college student, uh, you know, cause something you, if you want to, you know, a lot of people, everyone has the headphones, but if you want to listen to music or a podcast or something like that with other people around, that's a mm-hmm. good idea. Is it, is it get uh, very good volume? Like could you use it as a, at a party? Yeah, it's, it gets, it gets really loud and uh, they have a couple different models. The one I have actually has a carabiner built into it so you could take it camping or attach it to something oh, cool. so you don't lose it. Um, I'll put it on in the kitchen when I'm cooking and put on a podcast or music and it fills the whole room. Awesome. That's a great idea. Excellent. So my uh, second gift idea is this is kind of interesting. It's a it's the trip light desk clamp surge protector. Now uh, uh, let me explain what that is. So trip light is a is a big name in uh, electrical appliances, electrical gear you know, for, for from commercial level to consumer level. But what this is, it's a surge protector. You know, with outlets, plug them in, protects the surges. But it's not like a bar. What it is is it's like a, it looks like a C, shape of a C with a clamp on it, 
and it clamps onto your desk, onto the edge of your desk, and it accommodates uh, desks of varying widths, of all the you know from like a half inch, like my desk, up to probably several inches, three inches or, or more uh, of a of an edge of a desk, and it hangs off the edge, and it's got uh, two USB outlets in the top, and it's got six uh, power outlets underneath, and it has an on-off switch. And uh, and it's a surge protector, and it ha- it comes with like uh, fifty thousand dollars of of surge protection insurance, which is which is a good deal actually. Uh, you want you want these companies to be standing behind their product, uh, so that's pretty good. It's forty bucks, so not not too expensive. And I bring this up. I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last time, but I just recently went through a project of replacing a bunch of surge. I think I did mention it last time a bunch of surge protectors in my office because I noticed that they were very old. They were five or six years old, and you're supposed to replace them every five or so years. So um, this was one of them uh, that I got. And uh, actually, I got this one as a review unit, so I should, in full, in interest of full disclosure. Uh, so I, But it's one I got, and I've, I've got it hanging off the back of my desk. I found it was a little, um, uh, on the front of the desk, it was a little too easy to, to knock it off, to, to, to bump into it as I'm getting in and out. But I've got it off the back of my desk, and it's hanging in the back. It keeps the, the the outlets, the plugs off the floor, which I like. I don't like having, you know, kicking the power outlets. <laughs> I've more than once I've accidentally unplugged something on my desk by you know stretching out my legs. So uh, yeah, it, this is a nice uh, a nice gift, a nice practical gift to give somebody, but kind of different. It's not just a surge protector. It's a little different, and it's got a, it's kind of clever, and yet it's very practical. So uh, that's that's mine. I will suggest now all of these uh we'll have links to all of these in the show notes in on sqpn.com slash technology and in your uh uh your podcast player app you should they should be in there as well so you can check those all out and the ones from amazon amazon is shipping i think they're they're even with their prime it's like if you order like right now as we record it's a wednesday and i was seeing monday ship uh days that you know you could get it by monday so mm-hmm. you've got some time um and then uh, the uh, that hyper juice. Well, you know, put a card in underneath the tree. <laughs> and yeah, that's we, cre- that's for the creative people. <laughs> yes, yes. So we've got a variety of uh, different things here that for for you, and you can see these. Well, and then you can go back and look at uh, from last time the the links to the gift ideas we had then, and then we'll of course we'll have some more gift ideas for you next week. So uh, hopefully that will be some good ideas for you. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of SQPN, with a special message. The StarQuest Network is fulfilling its mission to explore the intersection of faith and pop culture, and in the past year we've reached stunning new heights. Our programs are reaching broad new audiences with a message that helps us discern good entertainment, make sense of the world, and share the gospel with others. We continue to launch new shows and bring back great shows. We just relaunched Secrets of Star Wars, which comes at the perfect moment to capture the excitement over the new show, The Mandalorian, and the climax of the new Star Wars movies. The support of our audience is vital to this work and has helped us grow closer to meeting our financial obligations. For that, we are very grateful. But we still need to close the gap. Every new gift extends our deadline. But until we eliminate our deficits, the future of StarQuest and your favorite shows remain in question. This is why it's crucial we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you're already a supporter of StarQuest, we are very grateful and we ask you to prayerfully consider in increasing your support at this time. If you are not yet a supporter, please become one now. We urgently need your help and every gift counts. 
Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? That lets us provide more than 40 hours of professionally produced shows with compelling content. We have special thank you gifts for donors at several giving levels. If you are a business owner or just want to provide a leadership level of support, we now have a special giving level for sponsors, like in public broadcasting. For $500 per month, you or your business can sponsor one of the shows on our network. Listeners will hear a message in every episode thanking you for your sponsorship and giving your website. We'll also have your name and link on the SQPN webpage and in the show notes of every episode during your sponsorship. Whatever level of support you can offer, whether large or small, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas, and remember that your gifts are tax-deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. And may God bless you and yours as we approach the celebration of our Lord's birth. So let's move on to our second segment. And this one, uh, people, you may say, what, how is this technology? But really, technology is involved. And this is about these new plant-based meat products. You may have heard of the Impossible Burger or Burger King is selling it as the Impossible Whopper. I think White Castle is now selling the Impossible Slider. There's another company called Beyond Meat, and they have sausages, beef, and these sorts of things. And these are all plant-based meats, and they're different from the veggie burgers of the past because they say, and I'll be honest here, I haven't tried it yet. I'll ask you in a second if you have, but uh, so they say that it it chews like meat, it's got the texture of meat, it, it has the smell and flavor and taste of meat. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a way of eating meat without eating meat, <laughs> shall we say. So first I'll ask, have, have either of you tried any of these, uh, Joanna Jack? No, I have not. I tried the Impossible Whopper from Burger King, and uh-huh. it was okay. It wasn't yeah. terrible, but it definitely wasn't meat. Okay. But is, have you ever had a veggie burger before? Was it better than that? It was, I don't even know if it was better because the veggie burgers I've had, I think it was Morningstar. They make like a chicken patty and I had one of those one time and it was, it wasn't, didn't taste like chicken, but it tasted good. Like huh. it was kind of crispy and it right. had like a savory flavor. So it was a good sandwich topping. It wasn't really meat though. And the impossible patty just kind of tasted, it was very runny and didn't really have, it didn't hold together like meat holds together. Yeah. And Very it, it loose, tasted, yeah. Yeah, it tasted kind of like meat. It had like that charbroil flavor you're going to get from Burger King, but it just was not, it was not really a comparison to meat, and I don't really see how someone could do a blind test and not pick that, pick up on that. Interesting. Hmm. There are some, yeah. go ahead, Joanne. I was going to say, I've had like black bean burgers or veggie burgers before, and I know that that's what they are, you right. know, and, and I and I choose to eat them because of what they are. This sort of kind of is, is almost like an imposter. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's supposed to be meat, but look, I'm a carnivore. If I feel like having a burger, right. you know, in my, in my diet, I have a burger. Yes. But there, and there, there are certain, um, certain styles of hamburger out there that are loose meat burgers. So I, I suppose this would be like that. Um, but, this, but that's not like any of the big chains. They don't do that. Yeah, it was no. more just kind of mushy. It wasn't really like ground Ooh. beef, really. It was just kind of a mm. weird mushy patty. Interesting. So there's an article from Catholic News Agency that talks about these impossible burgers, these plant-based meat products, and their ethics. And so I thought it would be a good chance for us to talk a little bit about this. Um, and one of the things that said, you know, 
the two the two main questions are what some people say that we are at, because of the uh, environmental costs and other costs of eating meat and, and and some people include the cost to the animals themselves uh that we if we are given an alternative we should take that instead of continuing to raise and kill animals to for food so to uh, quote Commander Riker, we should no longer enslave animals for food purposes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Come on, Commander Riker. You've I, I know you've had a steak or two. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, so that's that's the one argument. Um, what do you think of that? So like the the article. I mean, first let me quote from the article. Uh, they they talked to a, a professor of moral theology at the Catholic University of America, Doctor Joseph Capizzi, who says um, there is no, in his opinion. Um, he doesn't think that the consumption of products so dependent on technology are superior to the consumption of animal products, but that there we need to consider. He's, he goes on to say that we need to consider all of the ethical issues involved in the production of foods, which include not just the environmental impact, but also the ways technologies might distance the human being from creation. So it's an interesting mm-hmm. uh, perspective. What do you think of of the ethics of of eating uh, meat versus the opportunity to eat a plant-based meat. What do you think? I think that um, with a lot of things, it, it goes back to good stewardship. Like I think that you have a lot of these mega farms, like where I live, actually, we have a big problem with Tyson coming in and buying up these big areas of land, almost said huge tracts of land, um, <laughs> where uh, and pushing out all the small local farmers. And they have these gigantic warehouses that are just absolutely packed with chickens. and I'm not an animal rights person in that way, but I do think that we have a responsibility to treat God's creation well. And I don't think that the way a lot of these mega farms is, is good stewardship. So what I like to do is, and this is, it's hard when you don't have like a ton of money because it's more <laughs> expensive, but supporting local farmers and like farmers markets, right. not only is it, you're helping the local economy, it's better for you because there's not all the preservatives and antibiotics they pump in there. And you're not supporting these massive farms that come in and just destroy the local economy and ruin these local farmers' lives. Right, right. And, and you know, they use a lot of these uh, pesticides and right. all these various things that aren't good for, you know, the people, never mind the animals. Um, right. And I agree on the, on the, like, on the farm circuit. I've, I might have mentioned before on one of our podcasts that uh, my, my family and I, we go to a local farmer's market uh, it, that is in operation near where we live from may to november and we we get as much as we can from there but you mentioned there's a cost uh, factor i mean of course I, those farmers are worth every penny that they earn but it's still more expensive for them to produce this stuff this way on the small mm-hmm. scale than it is for these big companies and so we are are budgeting you know for most people not just our my family for most people is based on these big supermarket big agribusiness uh, ways of economics, and right. so to to shift to okay, so we need to like, I want to buy this this ethically grown uh, lettuce and these ethically raised chicken eggs, and you know it's it's three times more expensive, and it's hard when you're raising a family of five kids, you know, right. uh, you know, a Catholic family. So I those are that's some yeah that that is a tough you know, area to, to, to navigate of ethics. Joanne, what do you think of this, this ethical question? Uh, well, I, I agree with Jack about the, um, you know, free range versus 
commercialized. I do. And I understand that, you know, at where I am in life, a little older, we can, no children, we can kind of afford going into the more organic range. It's not fair to be taking advantage of people because they can go that range, <laughs> that right. way. So it's, it, you know, I, I go back, to, I try to go back to, to Genesis where, you know, God gives Adam you know, dominion over all this to be good stewards. And I think, I think that's where we need to go to be the best steward that we can of all of this. So if we can go the organic route without breaking the bank, fine. If we have to, you know, go another route, then kind of mix it up between the, the mm -hmm. meat and the veggies and other things. But what concerns me, I think is trying to create something to mimic something else. And then you're not sure what's in this stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, there's actually, where I have yeah. my problem. <laughs> that's a good point that, that comes up in another article we'll link as well is, you know, that these products, these meat alternatives, we don't know how processed they are, what kind of chemical factory processing has to happen in order to turn this, these plants into something that resembles meat. Uh, what's in it? We don't know. Right. Uh, you know, right. what kind of chemicals are used? That's, those are some more important questions. Just because it's a veg vegetarian alternative does not necessarily make it healthier or more ethical. That's an important right. thing to keep in mind. I do. I have heard from, I have a couple of friends who are vegetarian and they've talked about how a lot of people will point at veggie burgers and say that they're not better for you. And the point they'll raise is that they're not necessarily looking for it to be better for them. They just want something that's not meat. So I think that is an argument against worrying about how healthy it is for you. Because like if you're going right. for a bacon cheeseburger, we're not really worrying about the health, to be honest. <laughs> right. So I, right. I've, I have heard that argument. I still, I still, I think there's plenty of good ways to cook vegetables where they still taste like vegetables, and I'd rather just have that if I'm not going to be eating meat. Right. No, I agree. I agree totally with that. And I and I also have a friend who's a vegetarian. Unfortunately, not by choice. Meat mm -hmm. to her hurts her body, so she hasn't been able to eat meat for years. And she gets real creative with tofu right. <laughs> and all kinds right. of other things. And even she's looked at this and said, "Um, I think I'll stick with my tofu." There is an, uh, another professor or theologian who's mentioned in this our Catholic News Agency article, uh, Charles Camozzi, who says that. Uh, this these new technologies and new products make it harder for American Catholics to justify eating meat. He, he quotes the Catechism as saying that we have a moral duty not to cause animals to suffer or die needlessly. Therefore, we have this stuff, so we should eat that instead. I think that's a mm. that's drawing that's an oversimplification. I think of yeah. the various factors that go into this in this complex equation of what is it we're, that we're eating, and I, I, I I'm very interested in uh, Dr. Capizzi's point about if technology takes us for, and, and something that you mentioned, Jack. Take this technology takes us further away from creation to something mm -hmm. that's much more of a manufactured product, and right. And, and I think there's a there's an, uh, a a moral or ethical factor in that. I think you could argue that an animal that is well treated, like you raise a cow, treat it well, and then you slaughter it painlessly or as painlessly as possible. I think that's much more in line with the natural end of that animal's purpose than it just living in a field not doing anything. Right. Right. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. 
Uh, and then there's a the the interesting question. This is the the question that the Catholics are always raising. Uh, it seems when it comes to what can we eat and when. Here uh, we go. Can you eat uh, an Impossible Burger or Beyond Burger on oh, Ash Wednesday or Fridays in Lent when we are obliged to abstain from meat? Uh, and and so they they get the they get an answer from this one uh, Father Thomas Petrie, a uh, Dominican who's uh, at the Dominican House of Studies. Who who says no? You can't. Yeah. Uh, no. What do you think? Well, what, you know of the of this question. No, you can't because what you're doing is you're trying to skirt the system. Right. You know, and and that it's it's all about intent. When you are when you are um, not eating meat on Fridays during Lent or during the whole year, it's as some people do. The intent there is penitence. You know, and you're giving up something for some for the better good of something else. So, hello, if you think, well, haha, now I can have an impossible burger, you know, and yeah, and still right. satisfy that no, I'm sorry. That that ain't wrong. That yeah, you, you just can't, can't get do by that. The technicality. No. I mean, fr- frankly, uh you you probably shouldn't be eating lobster or, you know, trip that cocktails too. either. I mean, no, no yeah. <laughs> the church doesn't say that we should, uh, you know, eat something gross or something unpleasant i mean you could have a nice piece of fish but but the idea is the simplicity and the mm-hmm. intentionality of giving up a good for a lesser good or right, another right. kind of good it, it's that uh, it's like giving up something now if you think impossible burgers aren't good <laughs> then, then, then maybe <laughs> it, it is penitential to eat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh so probably maybe if you're a vegan or vegetarian eating an impossible burger during Lent, because it seems like you're eating a, a meat burger, might be the might be a penance as well. So yes, okay. uh, so I agree with Father Petrie on that one. Uh, all right, uh, so maybe maybe we can move on to our next segment. Uh, and, and folks, we do want to hear from you. By the way, we want to hear from what you think about this question of the Impossible Burger. Have you tried any of these plant based meats? Uh, are they are they good? Do you like it? Is it a good alternative? Um, and what do you think of these moral and ethical questions and, you know, whether it's a, it, it's okay to eat it when you're abstaining from meat? We we do want to hear your opinions on that. So let's move on to some quick headlines uh, that we've got here. Uh, one is on this question of uh, drones. There's an article that uh, talks about how the U.S. Justice Department is tightening the rules on drone use in government by government agencies and uh, which is very interesting. But there's a broader question, too, of just drones use in general. You know, should we be concerned about the the growing number of drones that are flying around? What do you think about this? Like just just in general, you know, because there are there are private drones, you know, that people buy for themselves. And then there are these commercial uses that we got coming up and uh, in law enforcement stuff. What do you think of just in general about the growing use of drones by the public? I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains as with any new technology, but I'm not overly concerned about it. I I just actually saw an article too. This is a bit tangential, but it was talking about um, self-driving cars and it was very doom and gloom and it really got into like the ethics of self-driving cars. And it came off to me more like the person didn't really understand the technology. And I feel like a lot of the worries about drones, like I think there are legitimate worries, but I think those are more underlying issues with government overreach, not the specific technology. Okay. What do you think, Joanne? And I think I'm more concerned with having a whole bunch of these things in the air. Right. You know, and be, now look, I, I, I admittedly don't know a lot about drones, but 
I know that kids fly them. Uh, the weathermen fly them. Um, Amazon wants to fly them you right. know, and drop packages off. If you have all these things in the air, now is this going to become a problem for the terrestrial people? You know, because I mean, I've seen pictures of drones hitting cars and, you know, going through people's windows and, you know, right. is this going to be more of a problem? Can people learn how to fly these correctly? Well, you so know, because go ahead. Yeah, there is the right, right, right now, there is a requirement, the law. Uh, that drones that have a certain that fly above a certain height or fly beyond a certain distance from the operator, you and, and it's very restrictive. Um, mm -hmm. You have to get an FAA certificate. You have to pass an FAA certificate uh, 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 test, um, which you know that and uh, five bucks will get you a cup of coffee. You know, what I mean, it's, right. it's like it's a test. It's not it's not like a driver's license. You have to prove you can you know you prove to an inspector right there in front of you. But there is they they are thinking about this sort of stuff. But I, I, there's an issue that you bring up, which is you know Amazon wants to fly them, your neighbor's kid wants to fly it, the cops will be flying them, the postal service, uh, you'll you'll be Uber Eats will be delivering food with it. Uh, are, are our neighborhoods going to just be a constant buzz of drones overhead? I mean, what kind of quality of life issues are we going to have from all of this stuff flying at fairly low altitude? Over our neighborhoods. I mean, that I, right. I'm concerned about that that little bit there. Never mind, you know, the question of the cameras glancing down into your yard and in your windows at any time. Those are some concerns I have. Well, you just need that dog that did that. You know, wrecked all the Google cam, <laughs> the Google film. <laughs> right. We need one of those to run around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a drone shark, yeah, or a uh, anti-drone hawk uh, that's been trained. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that there's going to be issues, but I think a lot of it's going to get ironed out just as we mm. grow more accustomed to the technology. I really hope it doesn't get to where they're just flying around everywhere. But I do think a lot of these things, like the Domino's drone or the Amazon drone, are more limited application proof of concept ideas like i don't think we're ever going to be delivered everything by drones just because that's not really a practical way to do things right, right. yeah actually yeah, I, I, go ahead and it's not that i don't like drones you know mm -hmm. I, i'm just con i, I want to see if, if there's good to this other yes. than some kid driving it into your house then let's you know not regulate it but let's put something in the box that says you need to go get this license or you need to learn right. how to fly this before you do it because i've heard so many stories even leo laporte who kept sinking his in the ocean <laughs> right you know right. i mean you gotta learn how to fly them in order to make them useful well i think this is yeah. why we'll we'll have autonomous cars before we have flying cars because you know an autonomous car will crash into something but a flying car you know is like an airplane crashing i mean it's a whole different ball right. you can survive a car yeah uh, you know fender bender but not a plane crash uh, not in the same way. And I know for a lot of those smaller, like hobby drones, if they if they land on something, they don't cause a lot of damage. But if you're getting one of the bigger drones, like where I uh, used to work, we had this carbon fiber octocopter. Oh yeah, eight eight propellers. It was a big old thing. It probably weighed like thirty or forty pounds. I know for something like that, you have to get licensed and it has to be registered. Otherwise, you'll you'll get in pretty big trouble. Yes, yeah, that's from serious requirements that that are out there now. You know, one of the things I'd like to see rather than drone delivery is I'd like to see robot, autonomous robot delivery. And one of the concepts that I saw was something like a UPS van or a or an Amazon van pulls up into a neighborhood and then all of these small dro uh, drone robots roll out and drive along the sidewalks to houses 
and deliver a package to the step <laughs> so that so that the, the truck doesn't have to go to every house. It right. just sends out the swarm. The swarm comes back and they go on to the next neighborhood. And I'm, and the picture you just painted for me was all these all these elderly people walking about and these things are going by them and they're you know, <laughs> tripping them up and, you know, well, dogs are running after them. And <laughs> that would be the key is to have, you know, these these devices that would not be, you know, a, a hazard to the people on the, mm. on the sidewalk. But, yeah, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered with all of these 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 things. You know, one of the things that comes up and this was a video that I saw a couple of years ago. My brother just saw it and mentioned it at Thanksgiving is this video that kind of it's an imaginary scenario about terrorists getting a hold of drone te- swarm drone technology where they load a explosive charge into these micro drones Ooh. and then and then program an AI in it to to seek out people, just any person Ooh. and then dropping them on a city. Uh, and the terror that would ensue because of that. And mm-hmm. then you'd have, you know, nation states doing it to each other and it would just be an apocalypse. <laughs> the end of the world scenario uh, of a Tom Clancy thing. Yes, oh, exactly. That's, exactly. That's encouraging. Uh, I'm actually reading the latest Tom Clancy uh, Jack Ryan novel. So, yes, it's very much a Tom Clancy thing. But so, I mean, these are the sort, you know, we have to be concerned about the, the right use of these things. If criminals or uh, terrorists or Bad nation states, like bad, you know, bad actor nation states, mm-hmm. use these drone technology in a, in a. We need to have a defense against them, and we need to, you know, our our country and our law enforcement needs to develop defensive, uh, you know, anti drone technology, and we, we need to make sure that we are ahead of that at some point. So, um, I it's a does that have have I struck fear to your heart on that, or was it something <laughs> you probably you could have imagined before? Or? Uh, what do you think of that? I think that any technology humans develop will find a way to kill ourselves with it. So same <laughs> thing with airplanes, same thing with cars. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. right, right. Cars became tanks and airplanes became bombers. And yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. This is true. All right. So uh, with that little bit of dystopian pleasure, let's move on <laughs> to something more pleasant like Facebook. <laughs> so Facebook, you may have heard, had a a bug a few weeks ago uh, that was discovered in their iOS app that if you someone was I, I couldn't reproduce it myself, but somehow if you were were flipping through a video, you're playing a video and started to flip the screen to the side, you, you would realize that there was a live camera view behind that, that you could kind of peek through and see that that Facebook had opened so that the camera was active and that someone discovered the microphone was, too, when you had facebook open and so people predictably freaked out on that uh oh no facebook has our camera and microphone active all the time whenever the app is open therefore they're spying on us uh Mm. so facebook's explanation is no no we just um we had a bug in our landscape in one version this is what they said that would incorrectly launch in landscape mode and that would um cause the app to partially navigate to the camera screen adjacent to the news feed when users tapped on photos. I just really can't believe that a company that's uh, based solely on harvesting people's information would do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's the question. Is, sure. do, you believe, do you believe in that it was an inadvertent bug or do you think this was a surreptitious uh, way of gathering information? What do you think? I wouldn't uh, even venture to try things, to guess but... that one. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, I it, gee, I don't know. It, it could be either. Right. I didn't, I didn't know about this. So when I read it, it was this is the first time I'd heard about it. 
but it doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if that was something right. that they planned on doing, or it wouldn't surprise me if it was a glitch. You know, it's just yes. the age we live in now. Yeah, it could be either been a, or. Might have been, a, oh, we'll, we'll fix that later kind of thing until someone noticed it. Right. You know, there was a, a a bug or not a bug. This was a bug implies that it was unintentional. They they had a programming thing, a hack that they did a while ago, uh, several years ago, where they would play a silent audio file in order to keep the app alive in the background uh, when you weren't uh, using it. So that when you launched the app again, launched, it would come up faster than it normally would because they're pr- their app is a giant bloated mess of programming code. So, so, so rather than make their code better, they had, they came up with this surreptitious little trick that kept the that that would drain your battery. In fact, the app was a notorious battery drain, and and that's why a lot of people switched to using just Facebook in the browser if they would use if they were uh, Facebook users. Uh, yeah. But uh, so this doesn't surprise me that this sort of stuff is creeping up. They've been known to have very poor programming practices. So whether it's intentional or not, it doesn't surprise me. That's for sure. I just assume that most devices are always spying on us at this point. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yes, that's right. I, that's why I have the flip closed uh, uh, on my webcam on my computer. And I always, you know, turn the stuff around and all that sort of stuff. Just I have to assume Sticky it. Notes. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, tinfoil. Tinfoil. I, have my, I wear my trusty tinfoil hat. And see, yeah. I don't do any of that. I just figure... Go ahead. I've got nothing to <laughs> hide not here, folks. Nope, it is not. <laughs> well, speaking of social media companies behaving badly, <laughs> let's go to the other one, Twitter. Uh, Twitter admitted recently that they allowed marketers to access the phone numbers that you use to set up your Twitter account. So in a, so when you set up your, your Twitter account, you have to give them a, a telephone number and um, you need it to enable two-factor authentication that's supposed to make you more secure but instead, what they did was they allowed marketers to verify who they are. Uh, let's see. How, how, how did they do? They um, No, that was there was something else that they were doing with the, the advertising profiles. But they were using the letting them match uh, our information to our phone numbers on our account. And that that gives a lot of information about who you are to people, because the more data they can that these companies can acquire on you, the more they can correlate things. So if they see this number out somewhere else, they know that that's this Twitter user who mm. is this person. And now we, we've we've made this chain of data back to who you are. So what do you think of this this uh, this little thing that Twitter has now said that we're not do we're not going to do it anymore because we've been mm-hmm. caught basically. <laughs> what do you, what do you think about it? I think it's the same thing with Facebook. Like we are not the customers; we're the product. Right. right. And it seems like a lot of people don't understand that. Like every so often you'll see that thing going around on Facebook where if you copy and paste this, they'll not own your data. And it's like whatever you agreed to in the EULA is what you agreed mm-hmm. to. Right. There, you can, there's nothing you can paste into a into a on your social media. No bit of legalese that you can put on mm-hmm. there that takes away the rights you've already right. given them to your data. That's that's for sure. And that they keep updating and you don't yeah. read every time it comes by. Right. You know, but that's what, but going back to this article, that's one of the reasons why I had a Google, a Google voice number because that's what I was using because I didn't want to use my regular cell phone number. So I would use Mm -hmm. the Google voice number to set these things up. So, you know, so it doesn't surprise me. No. Uh, Will they keep doing it? Probably. 
you know, because yeah. again, yeah. we're not the consumer, we're the product. In an upcoming episode, we're going to talk extensively about two-factor authentication and setting it up to, to be more secure. But one of the lessons from this here is in two-factor authentication that relies on sending you a text message to your phone is not as secure. It's yeah. a little more secure than just a password, but it's not as secure as using a freestanding authenticator app uh, that, that is a, you know, generates random codes every 30 seconds. That's a much better two factor system. Uh, so, and, but, but this is what Twitter has been using is a system where it's, it texts you the, 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 the second factor uh, to your phone number. And by giving them that, again, by giving that phone number, you've opened yourself up to this ad targeting uh, situation that they did with these marketers, but also, you know, it, it, it's not, it's, it makes your Twitter account less secure anyway. Uh, so. Well, Google uses it too. Google yeah. uses the same thing. Well, they do, they use Authenticator, uh, but they also have an option where, a new option I noticed recently where instead of using the Authenticator where you enter in the, the six-digit code that's generated by the app, you can have it where you uh, you open up the app, a, a Google app, whether it's the Google search yes. app or Gmail mm-hmm. or Chrome, in your phone, and it will say, hey, you tr- just tried to sign in at this location. Uh, was that you? Say yes or no. I don't know. I mean, I think they're relying on the fact that most phones now require it, the, No one has a, a phone that doesn't have a passcode of some sort anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think. Uh, I don't think you can. I don't think even a, like you can set up a phone like without it anymore. You can't do it on the iPhone. No. Yeah. So they're kind of relying on that, but still, mm, I'm a little, I'm a little leery of it. But we'll we'll talk about that at length again. Like I said, uh, next time on on uh, Secrets of Tech, because we're gonna we we, we want to really talk about this two factor and making your passwords more secure, uh, because it's a constant thing we need to do. All right. Mm-hmm. So. Great. So let's move on to talking about our picks of the week. We had our gift ideas earlier, but picks of the week are as our standard. Uh, can be just about anything technology related. And uh, this time, I want to Jack. I want to give you the first pick this time. All right. Well, I figured since it's the uh, beginning of Advent, it's the beginning of the new church year, it's a good time to you know up your prayer life, get back into that, which I know I definitely need to do. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, the Ladate Catholic app. It's on Android and iOS, and maybe Windows Phone if that's still a thing. But it's really <laughs> great because it brings all the it has the catechism it's got a bunch of different prayers it has the stations of the cross the rosary and chaplet it has the uh, order of the mass the daily readings um it has links to i think all the vatican documents uh the full catechism of the catholic church it's a, a good all-around catholic app to have it's got everything and it's been around for yeah. a long time too yeah it's a really good i've been using it actually it has some um, advent wreath prayers that i've been doing with my my family oh, nice. we, we yeah. do it at dinner every night we like the Advent wreath and say the prayer. I do have one uh, minor nitpick. It's that the uh, on the Latin prayers icon, it is the Cairo, which is Greek. So, <laughs> oh, oh, small detail. Yeah. But for, yeah. for for anyone who who's into Latin, that that that's got to be a glaring error every time you see it. That is a good point. Yeah, uh, a, a good 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 catch on that one. Uh, yes, I, I I will heartily endorse your pick. That is a good pick, and it's it free. Very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joanne, what's your pick this time? Well, I've gotten back into writing again, and mm. um, and I I play with writing every once in a while. And a while back, I had bought on the recommendation of a few people an app for my Mac called Scrivener, 
and it was big and huge. And I think it was, it, it was very daunting for me. So I just kind of stayed in word and did my writing. But as I'm getting older and need a little bit more prompting and also, you know, need a little bit more proofing of what I write, I've decided to pick it up again. But this time I got it as an iOS app and it's much, much easier on the iOS to deal with than it is on Mac for me anyway. So that's my pick is the Scrivener iOS app. They do have it as I believe Android. It's $20 in the app store. And it really does help because it allows you to do things like cork boards. You know, you can put little ideas in little places and break them up instead of just writing, 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 writing. Um, I, I find that it's, it's a lot easier to help me gather my thoughts. And even though I have Evernote and, and all that other kind of stuff, this is for writing. It's specifically for doing, you know, whether it's novel writing, whether it's history, genealogy writing, you know, or writing for work. Academic writing. Yeah. Yeah. And it will help you format your writing Mm -hmm. for you. Yes. Because a lot of these have very specific formats. Like if you you want to write a screenplay, you've got to follow the screenplay format. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep. And and, uh, yeah, I've, I've had it for a long time. I haven't done any big projects with it yet. I've always wanted to write a novel in... I got as far as writing a long fanfic once many years ago, a uh, Star Trek fanfic. Uh, if, you, if you find if you find it online, you let me know. You can see what, what I've you got think one of those too. <laughs> um, Not Star it, Trek, yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun to write. Uh, actually, I wrote a couple of them, but anyway, you tell me if you find them. They're on my site somewhere. You'll see, you if you if you search betnet.com, you'll find it. Uh, but in, uh, but it, Scrivener is great because it also helps you organize your research. Mm-hmm. You can write chapters or even subsections of chapters and reorganize them in chunks, move them around, yeah. helps you track characters if you're writing fiction. It's really, yeah, it's really a full featured, uh, serious writing tool that, that uh, is really accessible. So that is a good pick. I've got friends who have been conjoling me for years to write, you know, everything that I've been through in my job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so and that's going to take a lot of you know yes. <laughs> storyboarding so when you work for the church yes you do get, get very interesting memoirs after a while yes because you can't make this stuff up <laughs> exactly. in fact that should be the title of the book there's two other there's two other books by that title so i can't borrow it <laughs> okay um oh very good that's a good pick uh so my pick is a youtube channel i recently discovered um, I, I recently upgraded my iPad to uh, an iPad Pro. I was handing on my old iPad to my daughter who needed a computer. And so I just I gave her my uh, old iPad uh, because it's a computer. And so I, I was Googling around on YouTube. Well, I was Googling on YouTube. I was searching on YouTube for some iPad Pro related content. I found this one uh, channel from a guy named Christopher Lawley. And I really like the way he, he makes his videos and thinks about stuff. It's not just about, hey, look at all this this gear I managed to get people to give me that I could rev- so I could review it. Um he really is thoughtful and geeky um and he really gets into how he uses his his tech, but mostly his iPad in very interesting ways. So, um he does things like his uh uh my iPad Pro desk setup. So he how he works on his iPad at his desk. Uh, how I how to make smart music playlists in on iOS. Uh, so that's a very practical, very specific thing. Um, uh, uh, he let me see what one another good one I watched was a uh, oh he had ten tips for using an iPad and, and frankly there's a couple of tips in there that I didn't uh, know so that was that was really good I, I picked up a few uh, new things from that um, reviewing the bridge keyboard which you know makes me you know 
got to get a bridge keyboard. You got to get one. <laughs> you, gotta get um, you know, things like that. Uh, it, it, it's a really, if you go to the channel, you'll find lots of in, very interesting stuff for, uh, for a, if you want to get more use out of your iPad on a regular basis. Uh, so uh, I, I re- highly recommend it. Christopher Lawley. And again, we'll have links to all of these in the show notes. All right. So I think that about does it uh, for this time. And uh, it's a very good discussion, I think. And uh, before we finish up, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Gary H., Mike K., Hector M., Karen M., and Isaac K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of our discussion? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send us an email to technology at sqpn.com. And like I said, all the links will be on our show notes at sqpn.com slash technology. If you can, please, we really do appreciate it. If you can write a review in Apple Podcasts or one of the podcast directories, that helps goose the algorithms to, so that uh, it, it shows our podcast to other people who might be interested in it. And growing our community makes our show better. It's just the the, the fact of that. And uh, also, when you share your podcast with the, this podcast with your friends, I really do appreciate that. Again, it helps grow that community and and maybe provides a service to your friends. So maybe they'll like it too. Until next time, Jack Barazzini, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Dom. And Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bethanelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Quest.